Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 9 through 15, the Book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 10, 22, through chapter 22, verse 5, the Gospel according to John, chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, and Psalm 67. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What kind of Christians are we? What kind of Christians are we? I wonder aloud. Because... A lot of times I think we're really good at knowing what kind of Christians we aren't. I came from a different religious tradition. I grew up in a different uh, denomination. And I remember coming to a new gathering of folks and learning about people and where they'd come from. And a lot of us had come to the Episcopal Church from other places. And in that moment, as I learned about this church that I was, of which I was becoming a part, I felt really proud. I felt like I was finding a place where I was loved and cared for, where I was accepted. I felt that I was coming into a place that really meant what it said about unconditional love, and I was experiencing some of that. I was experiencing some grace that I was looking for, and this was all good. And as we all sat around talking about where we'd come from, there was a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of injury and things and people talking about what they had been and weren't anymore. I heard the term recovering Catholic a lot. And I laughed too. And then as I got deeper into the life of the Episcopal Church, I thought to myself, okay, we know what we aren't anymore. Do we understand what we are? We're so good in the Episcopal Church in this particular tradition of looking at Christians who are standing on the corners and shouting at people or who are making laws that are abhorrent to us or who are doing all sorts of things that we find judgmental and mean-spirited. We are good at seeing them and saying, well, we're not those kinds of Christians. We say to ourselves, nice little feeling of smug satisfaction just like Jesus hoped for us. <laughs> what kind of Christians are we? We've been focusing on, throughout Easter, we've been focusing on these readings from the book of Acts. We've been preaching from that space and we've been listening to these stories of the, first, of the early church and the first believers and how they became the church. And it's been a little bit uncomfortable for us Episcopalians because we're hearing stories of people going out and sharing their faith lives openly and actively with other people. And if there's any kind of Christians we aren't, it's often those kinds of Christians. The kinds who are going out and making believers. And I do get that. I mean, I'm one of us. I like to tease our people and myself even, but I, I get that. I get why we try to distance ourselves from that, that kind of evangelism. 
because we are all in a culture, and many of us have been raised up in a place where we were taught that a Christian's job is to believe exactly the right things and act exactly the right way so that we go to heaven when we die instead of going to hell and burning eternally forever. And, therefore, when we see people who aren't part of the thing that we're a part of, we are taught to worry about them. They're not like us. That's a cause of concern for us and for them. We're taught to hold people who believe things differently at a distance to fear and and if we're charitable and loving in Christ's name, to work really hard to change their minds. We like to get people to believe what we believe and call that a conversion experience. This is what we're taught. Not Episcopalians, Christians. Like we, So many of us are taught to be like this. This is a deeply unhealthy way of experiencing other people. And the people in this community, the people in the tradition of which I've become a part, we actually tend not to do that. Episcopalians, by and large, don't think that if you miss church, you'd go to hell. Sometimes I wish that you did think that, but, you know, I'm going to be honest. But you don't. We generally don't. Episcopalians, by and large, don't think you have to be Episcopalian at all to be saved. In fact, most Episcopalians don't think you have to be Christian if they're honest about it. Most people I meet in our tradition think that if you walk around and you meet someone and they're of a different, not only denomination, but faith, or maybe they believe in no God, or maybe they're not sure, that you are just as capable of seeing something beautiful in them as you would see in someone who thinks all the same things you think. This is a good thing. This is a gift. But it makes me wonder, what is our goal then? Because the churches that are trying to save people from hell, they got a very clear goal. Get as many people to heaven as possible. And we're a Procter and Gamble town. We like solutions. We like that kind of process. What's the problem? Give it to me. A lot of people going to hell. Okay, how do we fix that? Jesus, perfect. Get more people to believe in Jesus. Go to heaven. I like it. We could get this on the market soon. So our faith lives, when we have this, when we have this belief that God is actually in the world and working and active and saving folks and loving folks, and they don't have to be just like us, it makes us wonder, why are we? So what is our purpose? We know what we aren't. What are we? I think the reading, actually, from Acts today is really helpful for us in this. We're more accustomed to readings about people being transformed by God when we have the stories like we had in the gospel story, there is a sick person and Jesus makes them well. Or someone will come up to Jesus and say, my, my daughter, my son, my friend, they're dying, they're sick, this person has a demon within them, they can't see, and Jesus says, well, we can work on that. And they, they're healed, they're made well, and they go, yes, God is amazing. But in the story of conversion we have today, it's really amazing because Paul has this vision We've been talking about visions a lot in Acts. Another reason the whole book of Acts makes us uncomfortable is people are just going around having visions and then following them. And that's not how we roll generally. But Paul has this vision that there are of a person in Macedonia saying, come, we need your help. And then they go to Macedonia and no one's asking for help. 
They go to Macedonia and they don't, he doesn't like see the man that was in his vision and say, ah, here was the man that was in my vision. And the man says, yes, thank God you're here. That's not what happens. They get to Macedonia and then they just kind of says, well we, were, well, we were there for some time. That's what the reading was. Well, we, we kind of bummed around Macedonia, saw the sights, lovely hills in Philippi, like it was that sort of thing. And then they're kind of hanging out and they go, well, let's go out to the outside of the city and talk to some folks and see who's there. They go out and they start talking with some of the women out there, which unquestionably is, is uh, uh, unorthodox. Mostly the men would talk to the men and the women would talk to the women, but here we have them going out and not only talking with the women, but listening to them. This is a good start. But Lydia, the one who's named here, you know what she needs from them? Nothing, which is great. It, even, it, it doesn't say Lydia needed nothing from them, but it's all there. Lydia, it says, is she sells cloth that's got purple dye, which is the rich stuff, the good stuff. She's a high-end cloth dealer. She's an interior designer in Hyde Park. She doesn't need Paul. It says she's a believer. We don't know if she's a Gentile who's learning about the God of Israel or if she's a Jew who's learning about Jesus. We're not sure yet, but it says she's a believer and she's faithful. So she's not there to be saved either. She doesn't ask for help. She doesn't even have a limp. She's fine. She's probably the head of her own household because when she's converted, she invites them back and she doesn't have to like check with anyone first. Please come back to my house, she says, and prevails upon them. And they do, and they stay with her. So what do we learn from this? She is not a person that we need to look at in need of anything. We can see this person as she is, faithful, beloved, kind, and gracious. What does Paul do? Listens. He talks some too. Paul always does. I get that. And she listens. And they listen to each other. And they share their faith and their belief. And then she says, I'm going to get baptized. Yeah. And then she says, stay. And they do. And a relationship is built. A friendship is formed. A community emerges. What kind of Christians are we? I think we're the kind of Christians that know what it means to build a community of love where we listen to one another, bless you, where we care for one another, where we see each other as faithful. I believe we can be the kind of Christians that go out into this world because we have a vision of a world that needs our care, but not to go out and fix it like a problem that needs to be solved but a world where we get there and then we, we share life and we listen. We recognize the faithfulness of others. We can be the kinds of Christians that see God's presence already in the world. So many of our Christian siblings are trying to bring Jesus into the world, except that Jesus is already there. 
He's been there for quite some time, and he's quite happy blessing this world. We oftentimes think Christians need to be ones that go out and save the world. That's God's job, and God is doing it. God is asking us to participate in that work, to share in the work of salvation. But we, friends, we don't tend to see salvation again simply in, the, by, in terms of what happens after you die. We are a church that believes in a salvation we can experience here among one another, sharing in love. What kind of Christians are we? I think we ought to be Christians that proclaim the gospel. I do. But then if we're going to proclaim the gospel, let's be really clear about what the gospel is. So many of us were taught, what's the good news? And by the way, let's just do a little quick gospel and good news. They mean the same thing. It's the same. They're interchangeable. Gospel means good news. So someone, have you heard the good news? What's the good news? Well, you're a terrible person who deserves to burn in hell forever, but I'm like, whoo, that's a hard way to start the good news. Go on. But if you believe the right things and act the right way, then because of this thing that God did to his only son, we'll have, we need to work on that too, um, because God punishes his son for your sake, if you believe the right things and act the right way, then you can sneak into heaven even though you're kind of rotten. Where's the good news? I'm still waiting for the good news part. Except none of those things are what Jesus talked about when Jesus spread the good news. And our gospels say that Jesus is out there spreading and teaching the good news. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus doesn't go around and say, you're all terrible people, but I died for you. Hadn't happened. Jesus is spreading the good news, which is the reality that God is present that God is active in this world and that God is working for the salvation, for the healing and reconciliation of all of God's creation. That God is at work even now in our despair, uncertainty, and fear, in our grief and sorrow and our wonder of what is next. God is present and active, living and loving now and that you are a part of that love life. You are deep in the heart of the God who made you. And nothing can take you away from that love. That is the gospel. That every single person you see is loved unconditionally by the one who made them. And that means you too are loved unconditionally by the one who made you. This is the gospel. That every single person we meet is a carrier of the blessing and we can see them and speak with them and recognize their faithfulness. And we might transform them, but we are just as likely to be transformed by our relationships with those we meet when we are capable of recognizing their belonging, their blessedness, their belovedness by the God who made them. What kind of Christians are we? We are the kind of Christians who understand the value and the beauty of communities founded in unconditional love. And this church is a church that is founded on the truth of unconditional love. It is our lifeblood. And if we're having visions 
Their visions of this church being more aware of the love of God and visions of us all being sent into this world, but not, not sent to change everybody out there. We're sent into this world rooted and grounded in love to serve all people with humility, compassion, and faithfulness. We get to be the kind of Christians that see God's love everywhere. And we get to be the Christians that name it. In Jesus' name.